0: welcome everyone and thank you for joining the society for clinical research sites for scrs talks i'm diana foster the scrs vice president of strategy and special projects and lead on our diversity initiative in this episode today i am delighted to speak with jackie kent chief customer officer at metadata solutions about the critical initiative of diversity in clinical trials I'd like to lead into some questions with Jackie by saying that Jackie um, longtime supporter of SCRS, of course, involved in many initiatives. But um, now I'd say, I believe, about three years ago, when I approached Jackie and metadata about being involved in supporting the diversity initiative, um, she immediately, and the metadata team just came to attention and became a sponsoring and funding partner immediately following that that conversation. And they've been very involved since, um, and actually made a decision to help us with a new initiative at the SCRS Summit. So we might just start by talking a bit about our recent summit in October held in Florida, where metadata was the sponsor of our new um, exhibit uh, related to diversity in clinical trials that was part of the meeting. So Jackie, again, thanks for joining today. Anxious to talk to you on some of your, more about some of your viewpoints. Should we go ahead and talk a little bit about, you participated in sponsorship, and of course also our plenary session on diversity. Um, Any general thoughts about that um, session and some takeaways from your perspective?
1: Yeah, thank you, Diana. Um, Yeah, I, you know, first of all, you know, just being at the summit and back in person, allowed people to really share, like share what they've been working on, uh, what diversity, I mean, COVID-19 has brought diversity not only to the people in our industry who have been working on it for so many years, but now everyone sees it, everyone in every walk of life, because COVID-19 has really brought it to everyone and everyone being a patient. So it allowed us to, to begin talking at a new level. And I think we saw that in in live action, Diana, in our session, where we had a patient who shared a perspective (laughs) that we, you and I, at least, were not ready for, and and how the the dynamics of the patient in the clinical trial and diverse populations of patients see a lens that we are not all seeing. Um, And so the example is we had a patient on the stage Mm. who brought out a, a pump. And and shared how it was wrapped in a total black package, and during Black Life Matters, having something black attached to your belt is is not comfortable. And how she blinged it, how she had to pay to bling it, and how we need to be thinking differently along all aspects of our clinical trials—not just where we find the patients, but how we design everyone's needs in in mind. And I think it was it was um, you know making sure that we are taking all considerations into our clinical trials and how we think about this in the future. The work that we've done, um, Diana, what we've done in preparing the sites and really seeing what the sites, how much more they knew and how they could utilize it in COVID. We heard some really great stories in the booth um, while we were talking to our colleagues about how much being part of SCRS has really helped them have advocates, teachers, mentors to really get their sites ready to enroll and support all patients. So I think it was a great opportunity and we need to continue this conversation and not defining the problem. You know how I feel about that. We are not defining the problem. We are working together as an industry and we're partnering together to really take action, small steps, medium steps, big steps, but everyone's focusing on taking action to get clinical trials closer to every patient that needs them. Yeah,
0: that Jackie, I think just just that fascinating example of metadata bringing to bear on the patient that the the young woman that joined us, an African-American woman who pointed out to us so shockingly that her diabetes pump, you know, was seen as as threatening by others just by the design. Mm
1: -hmm. And I know
0: that you've also had some um, experiences and thoughts about bringing to bear the importance of the transgender um, um, population and that involvement in clinical trials and maybe have a few points you might want to make here as well. Yeah, I mean,
1: we've we've talked about um, our diversity initiatives and have been very focused on on um, ethnicity, um, on on you know skin color and social economical features. Um, this this was a whole new um, enlightening, I would say, educating moment for me when I was part of a group that interviewed um, some transgender patients who mm-hmm. really struggled through their clinical trial journey mm-hmm. with the basic of the the. It consent form said male or female. It didn't say biologically assigned versus identified as. It didn't give an opportunity to do anything but male or female. And then the way our protocols are designed sent them down a very black and white path of how their treatment had to go, or I would say their enrollment. And it put um, a lot of pressure on the patient. It put a lot of pressure on the site, the study coordinator, the Mm -hmm. PI, to have conversations that none of them were ready for. And they weren't ready and prepared to really meet the needs of a transgender patient. And they didn't feel supported when they talked to the sponsor. Um, The patient didn't feel supported and neither did the clinician. And so I think as we're really putting in concrete plans for actions that we need to take, we need to be looking at all populations um, Mm -hmm. of patients and making sure that we're really looking towards how we design trials for everyone. Um, and making sure that it is not a skin color that we're we're only looking at, right? There's religious issues, there's color issues, there's transgender, there's there's so many communities that we need to serve. We need to be listening to all these voices. And,
0: and yes, and, and- Incredibly consuming, and I think that the questions and issues are are without without limit. Um, Whether it's the patient population, how industry's response, the site's response um, to the the new the movement, some call it the diversity movement, and I'm I'm wondering if we switch gears a minute. um, Let's talk a little bit about your perspective, if you would, on what you think is going to be or is most important from from the site's point of view here as we are moving into um, guiding site development and engagement and knowledge in this particular area?
1: Well, I, I think the tool that we developed as a team, Diana, and that the sites are beginning to use for ensuring they're ready, right? I think there's a whole new iteration of that that is possible for us to work on as SCRS next year and really making sure that we take it to the next level, and we help to build more awareness. What we've done as a team across all of SCRS in helping sites be prepared, helping sites find patients, we now just need to broaden that scope. And, And I believe that everyone is ready, everyone is willing, and I think we just need to bring our our, I'm going to say our teams, and I mean our teams across the industry, the CROs, the partners, the technology providers, the sites, and the sponsors together, and I think everyone's re- willing to take the actions. We need just to lay out a path for everyone, and you know this team comes together, and they will make it happen.
0: And I think, um, yeah, as you, you mentioned, Jackie, the diversity site assessment tool that our team, our working group of some, f- for almost 40 people now has worked on over the last five years has now become the industry gold standard for site assessment. We see companies coming to the table such as PPD, uh, for example, stating that the, the completion of this tool will become mandatory for the, the research sites that are part of their network. And um, your point about where, how do we take this to the next level, We're so anxious for industry to have knowledge and awareness of this important tool. I'd be interested in any thoughts you might have about how you see, for example, that this the instrument. Let's just continue to talk about that for another couple minutes. How metadata would reinforce in your world the use of such an instrument?
1: You know, I think we've I've I've been thinking about this a little bit because I'd like to move to past a conversation. Many times when I'm talking to customers, um, I I talk about the partnership with SCRS, why it's an important partnership for any, anyone in the industry who's really trying to deliver um, clinical trials to patients, and what what I'd like to see is is all of us to be having that tool as part of our conversations, having it as part of our presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there's a place moving forward that it can be part of the site selection processes yes. where we can do more data analytics. I, so I think I think PPD is gonna be a great example of how people can set a best, uh, I'm gonna say a best practice and, and then how we can encourage more people to do it. We would have the ability, I, I hope the technology partners can come together and start thinking about ways to incorporate it into the technology offering so it is there, right? It's an easy tool at people's fingertips. But there's so many use cases. And I think, you know, a, a year ago when we when we first were talking about rollout plans, uh, people were watching and and it was talked about a lot more. I was really excited to see people asking questions about how to use it, how to incorporate it. So I think 2022 will be a really big year for that tool to become very front and center in people's conversations and usages.
0: Glad to hear you say that. And um, on a personal level, having conversations every, at least weekly with someone new who's interested in our initiatives and interested in how they can access the tool. And by the way, it's um, available digitally, of course, on the SCRS website with instructions and ability to complete that and either identify or de-identify your data as a site. So once again, to your, your point, encouraging these sites to engage with the tool as well as, as industry. We talked a little bit earlier about that. Your your perspective has been, um, I know, front and center always in my mind as as a member of the working group. As far as your your position on moving the needle, operationalizing this concept, we are well beyond dialogue. and and, and how do you see? Do you have thoughts about? what what highlights for you or what comes to front and center in your mind regarding what's important in the oper, oper operationalization of this concept
1: i think when i when i trying to think about what 2022 is going to bring to us um, and 2023 and that move the needle. And yes, I, I do talk about moving the needle because I want everyone to feel good about every action they take moving forward and not waiting for a big moment. Let's take all moments. Um, but I think in 2022, we really have the opportunity because of what we've done during COVID with decentralized clinical trials to really um, reach some patients we haven't been able to reach. And I am not an advocate, so when I talk about decentralized clinical trials, I'm not advocating sightless trials, 100% decentralization. But I go back to some experience I had in, in my career where um, there was a lot of diabetes trials being run and a lot of pediatric diabetes trials. And it was so hard in these really important quality of life studies for people to maintain their life, and they would drop out a lot. Um, and so I think we have this technology that we We've proven out during COVID that we can now reach more patients and allow them to stay in their routine of their lives, whether it's school or jobs, and stay in the clinical trials and receive so much benefit. And so I'm hoping we really focus on how we can continue what we learned in COVID to really move the needle next year, because the more we can reach patients with technology and allow them to finish and complete a study the more we're gonna gain through that, those technology plays. And then we can go back and start thinking about what can we do on top of that? How can we not only use the technology, but how can we bring the patient and the healthcare provider closer together? Whether it's the use of technology or it's using more IRO capability. There's so much out there when we marry the people, the healthcare providers and the technology with the patient and bring that together that we can start doing.
0: Oh yeah, Um, well said. And you know, again, to an earlier point about the importance of industry and all um, elements of industry collaborating versus working in silos or separately, it does seem that you know, you and I have both been in this industry a long time, and I know we've seen the advent, for example, of patient recruitment strategy and um, patient recruitment providers in, in, in bulk, so to speak, and, and who do you use and how do you operationalize that concept and, you know, some similarities in diversity, but it seems to me, and I wonder, your again, your perspective here is that we are truly actually seeing perhaps a different level of collaboration on this particular topic than we might have seen in other other areas in industry in the past. We you know I a call earlier today with the Transcelerate group around table. I know metadata is part of the Transcelerate um, sponsorship um, MCRT, SCRS, Sysgroup, others truly appearing to want to this is such a big issue to tackle, to collaborate. What are your thoughts about where we'll see collaboration going? Well,
1: I'm a, I'm a part of a few of those Mm-hmm. Consortiums, right? We know that that you and I work together in all all different um, areas besides SCRS and in the industry. Um, I think what I've been seeing, especially when you talk about ACRO and and um, SCRS and Transcellerate, is everybody wants to make sure we are not there. There's no competition in the spirit. Um, it's it's very like I've been to many meetings where everybody's saying, okay, I'm gonna take this scope and you're gonna take this scope and we're gonna bring it together for a bigger win for patients. So you're not seeing people in these consortiums saying, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna to try to knock somebody out. There's, yeah. it, it is the most um, maybe kind spirited work I've seen in a really long time where everybody knows that the issue is enormous and that there are patients in need. And so everyone wants to work together to solve a piece of the puzzle. So we move the needle for the patients. We're all working for the patients and we're not trying to compete against each other. And I think that's, that's why this is such a unique time and why people are so passionate about what they're doing.
0: Very good, I, I would agree. And of course, we're going to have to have the sites involvement and engagement to move this needle, and if you were um, advising the sites without a clear, you know, we continued here. There's no clear direction from government, no clear direction from industry. Is what what does a diverse study look like? And I think you know we're coming along and we're getting there in that in that conversation as well. But if you were to advise a, the site population as to why it's important for them to get on board and understand this better and get involved.
1: What might you advise? The sites are so critical to making sure that patients have a trusted uh, environment. And you still, no matter what technology we provide, no matter how we design a protocol, the trusted relationship is one of the top priorities patients say they need. And so is they need to continue to be that that trusted relationship, that trusted party, and provide the education and that personal touch. We we, the rest of the industry can provide them tools. We will provide them, like we will give them the tools um, whether it's you know our assessment tool or new technology or additional training or things like that, but they are the people that touch the patient. They are the people that the patients trust. They're the ones who educate them and make them feel confident about every step in that journey of that clinical trial. And that's what we have to, as the rest of the industry, enable them to do, to never have them feel like they don't have the time or the capability to be the trusted healthcare provider, because that is that is what the patients say, they need to enter a clinical trial.
0: That is such a relevant and, you know, on point commentary, and I think we we had some seven or so different sessions during the SCRS summit recently on this topic, and it seemed um, at every corner in despite the different focus of those presentations. It was the sites talking about. um, How will these capabilities be offered to us? How will you help us? Who will support this? Who will pay for these initiatives? How will we get there? and that is such a you know a, a, a critical point
1: i do think training diana is going to be something we have to tackle um and and how the different tech, how we train sites on different technologies how we make them feel confident in rolling technologies out to the patients i mean this isn't something that is part of a nursing degree right now right <laughs> um and, and the people that are sitting with the patients, they have to feel confident to, to be able to, to talk to the patients about it. And I don't think we've cracked the nut on how to keep them well-trained in the technology, how to keep them feeling confident about it um, and not feeling like a burden. And I think we heard that at us, at the summit, right? I think we heard the sites talk a lot about the burden of the technology. And I do think it's something we need to be working on and talking about next year.
0: Jackie, you just been so on point and um, interesting in your in, in your perspective on the questions today. So maybe if we close out our discussion with just some general thoughts on what do you think are some of the most important takeaways um, for, for sites as far as the future and planning for inclusive um, and a more inclusive perspective, not just enrollment per se.
1: So, I mean, I'm hoping, um, so I'm hoping the sites really understand and continue to understand how important they are. I mean, this, I, I, you are the center of where the patients come and we need you to ask. I, I, I would like you to feel more comfortable in asking for the help you need and whether it is training or whether it's. You have a great population of people and you don't feel like enough people know about it. Can, can yeah. we as an industry share information both ways? So you should feel confident and asking for the help you need, whether it's to a sponsor, to a CRO, to feedback to technology partners on what is or isn't working for you. But I think you should feel free to offer your opinions, your expertise, let people know what is most important to you, so we can make you successful in treating your patients and and knowing that those patients will receive benefit from the clinical trials that you are running and I, and I think it's a it's right the better the cycle we get on where we help to bring more to you whether it's technology or information or recruitment tools more data to help you mm-hmm. find patients I, I think it's a great cycle for us to start to start being Um, better listeners, right? So we as an industry can listen to your needs better and then you can have tools, techniques, data that are more useful for you as you continue to see more patients. So I think our conversations have been very good to the start, um, but I I think we can continue to grow our relationships and we can grow how we um, can reach more patients and continue to make everyone feel like there is a place for them to come to be part of a clinical trial.
0: Great closing comments. Uh, Thank you so much. And I think it points to, as you said, the future uh, for industry, but also the future as far as SCRS and our focus as we go into 2022 and begin our working plan will be on that data, the collection of more data, even around the the awareness of the the diversity site assessment tool, which will allow us to go to some of the next steps in training, and training based on evidence-based needs versus just assumptions that a site might need cultural sensitivity training, or or whatever it may be. So I think your closing points on um, the importance of new data and more data. Is, is, is very clear, I think, to all of us. I, I, Did you care to make any other closing remarks, Jackie? No, I mean,
1: I, um, I do look forward to um, what the scope of our work will be, Diana, together in 2022. What will the team take on next year? What will be the priority items? I think it'll be a great, exciting year um to watch the tool go into action and to collect data to see where we can go next so i i look forward to um the next steps and remaining um very active with the program
0: thank you so much and again thank you personally and to metadata and for taking time for this podcast interview today Um, i wish you uh well in the endeavors that you continue to support within metadata in this and other areas so thank you so much
1: thanks